I've learned two things today. First of all, who invented the window envelope, and also that there is such a thing as fantasy bass fishing. Welcome to You Are the Guest, a weekly show where you can be the guest and tell people what you and your friends and neighbors think about news events and issues of the day. It's part talk show, part opinion poll, part reality show, and a whole lot of fun. And it's completely dependent upon your participation as a guest. To be considered as a guest for a future show, check out the website at www.youaretheguest.com for details. Now here's your program host, Bill Grady. Greetings from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, and welcome to show number 50 of You Are the Guest, the show where we talk to everyday people just like you and me about their lives and about the issues of the day. Our guest today comes from Santa Cruz, California. Toby, welcome to You Are the Guest. Bill, thanks for having me on the show. Um, what a great day. Tell me about yourself. Well, I don't know where to start. I guess uh, I actually was born and grew up in Connecticut, um, moved out to the West Coast in 1989, being a, a high-tech guy into this entire industry. Um, I guess one of my biggest claims to fame is I was the co-founder and president of U.S. Web, which went on to be the world's largest website developer uh, during the heyday. And uh, I took some time off, and now I've recently launched a new business, NBX.com, We've built and launched the first social network integrated with a fantasy sports book where players get to compete to try and uh, earn an entry into our World Sports Betting Championship Series. The site is absolutely free. It costs you nothing. Um, you can create your own lines. Everyone are playing with points, not cash. There's no cash betting allowed on the site. We just launched uh, a couple months ago and off to a great start. I have to admit that I don't know that much about the sports betting business, so you're going to be my source for today. Is that Okay. Loving it. If we can be a source for you, then we've done something right today. Tell me how big of a business is sports gambling? Let's just overall start. I mean, you're looking at, you know, a major industry. And let's just take sort of the online slice. You know, the top five um, sports sites from ESPN.com, the CBS to Yahoo, generate almost 55 million unique hits a month to those just five sites. So you're talking about a very large community of very avid fans who are interested in their players and their teams. Um, they follow this, uh, this area religiously. And then on top of that, last year alone, you had 15 million people play fantasy sports where they basically were um, the head coach of their own team. They drafted players. They competed in leagues. And if you look at the, you know, the sort of DNA of a sports fan, they're comprised of three core uh, issues or three core things. Number one, they're all really social. When we go to a game, we like to do it with our friends. When we're watching it on TV, we like to do it with our friends or we're in a bar or a dorm room. Number two, um, we all have opinions on everything. There's nothing that goes by in the sporting news where an individual doesn't have an opinion on uh, a bad referee's call, a bad draft, a coaching decision, a player's performance. And third, and perhaps most importantly, is that every sports fan is fanatically competitive. We can't find enough outlets for our competitive spirit, which has really driven the fantasy sports industry. And fantasy sports betting is just one slice of that where it gives you an opportunity to basically demonstrate your sports IQ and have this really cool system sort of adjudicate that. And it'll tell you which team won and which team lost, and if you won points or lost points. And it's all extremely competitive and fun. In your opinion, how many people are casual about it and how many people are really hardcore about getting this information? Well, the good news is we are uh, we just finished our first market research study and sampled a, a valid set of our users. What we found basically are 70 to 75% of these folks play fantasy sports 
they digest over 10 hours a week of fantasy-related content. Could be watching a game, going to a website, getting scores. So the great majority of them um, have an interest. They are attracted to this community. And uh, let's face it, sports is you know a big part of their life. They participate on many levels, whether it's going to a game, watching it on TV, um, participating in an online sports competition like NBX.com. So um, yeah, as I said, there, there are some that are casual that may come to our site once or, or twice a week, but the majority of our users are here four and five days a week. And on average, they spend 30 minutes on the site per session length, so um, fairly hardcore. Other than NBX.com, who are the big players? Who are the big sites? Well, you know, you've got the, kind of the general, what I call the general sort of sports content sites, ESPN.com, CBSSportsLine.com, Yahoo Sports, um, even, you know, MLB.com and NFL.com and NASCAR.com. So you've got, you know, these silos of online sports content that are giving you their latest take on the news, um, finding out on your favorite team and did they win or lose last night. Um, but it's a, you know, it's a great industry. There are New types of offerings every day for online competitions. Uh, I know last year alone that Yahoo Sports had a, just a simple NFL pick'em, where players were picking their, you know, the, uh, who their favorite team was that week and who was going to win. And there was just there's 225,000 people that just did that alone last year. So um, it's a very vibrant industry, and uh, you have just a, a community of very committed, very uh, competitive individuals that are that have this insatiable appetite for online competition. When it comes to sports betting, do most people just pick their own sport, one or two, or are people jumping into the casino games, like the poker games and that? Well, poker's been huge. I mean, uh, last year alone, I mean, that, that sort of gets into an interesting topic of, uh, you know, sort of the, all the offshore betting that's been going on. Um, that was a $10 billion industry last year. That's projected to grow to $50 billion by 2010. Uh, recently, uh, one of the CEOs of one of these companies based in Costa Rica, Mr. Carruthers, was arrested in Dallas, and there I think there were 22 counts ranging from laundering and, and other uh, federal offenses. So uh, it's you know it's, it's a real interesting space, and it had been largely led by the online online poker phenomenon. You know, roughly there are about 50 million people that play online poker, and interestingly enough, the World Series of Poker, which is broadcast by ESPN. Um, 66% of all the qualifiers now for the WSOP tournament have come through online satellite tournaments that they've been able to qualify for this tournament. So although poker's been the lion's share of it, um, sports betting is becoming um, uh, equally important. And sort of the breakdown of folks that are, that are doing this offshore betting, um, about, uh, I'd say, somewhere between 65 to 70% are poker and 35 to 40% are, are it's sports betting, which includes you know betting on horses as well. When did poker become a sport? <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. I guess you could throw some other, you know, I, I, would you call badminton a sport? Would you call billiards a sport? Or spelling bee. Um, interestingly enough, I mean, I think the, the, the biggest travesty was recently, and they've been hosting this for a number of years now, is that ESPN um, hosts the hot dog eating contest. And, I mean, if hot dog eating is a sport, then, then I guess poker's got to be called a sport, too. What's the stupidest betting line that you've ever seen? 
Oh, my God, there's some crazy ones out there. Well, I, what we do is our, our system actually is interesting because it's a hybrid approach. When that, what that means is that we are licensing all of the official lines out of the Premier Line Center in Las Vegas, Don Best. So the lines that we carry in our book, our sports book, are exactly as they'd be if you flew down to Vegas and went into a sports book or you know, logged on to an offshore sports betting site, exact same lines. We move the line as the lines move. But the interesting part is since you know, we're a fun community free site where you're playing for points, not cash, uh, you are not competing against the house. You're competing against all the other players in the network. So one of the unique things that we've done is we allow our players to essentially become a bookie and create your own lines, determine your own odds, and float those out to the network. And I guess, you know, to my astonishment, some of the lines that go out there that are uh, so far more favorable than what Las Vegas is putting out. Just for example, yesterday, the Twins were favored uh, against the Devil Rays in a um, by uh, almost a two-to-one margin. And uh, an individual had created their own line and posted it, giving the Twins at essentially one and a half times your money. So it was so far beyond what, uh, you know, how, how Vegas had, uh, had created this line. And, uh, of course, this individual ended up losing his points, and now he's back today kind of, you know, uh, swinging at the fences again, a brand-new day, starting out uh, looking for some better, to create some better lines for himself. Within the gambling community, though, there are some really weird lines, such as the wife-beating line. There are absolutely an infinite number. These are called they're either proposition bets or exotic bets. They're absolutely there's nothing that I haven't seen. I mean, in the you know they've had uh, I, I saw earlier on where there was a line out there of you know would uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie get married in 2006. Uh, in the sports world, they usually revolve around mostly players. You know, will Kobe Bryant score more than 20 points in the first half? Will his combination of his um, points and rebounds and assists be greater or less than a certain total amount? So, you know, everything from proposition bets in the political arena, the entertainment arena, the sports industry, um, you literally can handicap or set a line for almost any future event, and uh, the sky's the limit, <laughs> to be honest with you. If tobacco has a tax and alcohol has a tax, would you be in favor of online betting having a tax? Well, absolutely. I, I think, you know, to be honest with you, the government is completely uh, missing out on a huge opportunity. You know, it's similar to going back into, what was it, the, the 20s when prohibition was enacted. And did that stop alcohol drinking? No. What it did, it gave rise to sort of a criminal element, a criminal activity, um, they found that at the end that they certainly couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't prohibit this type of behavior. And I think you know, let's look at what was the country found under it's sort of liberty and justice for all. It's in our pledge of allegiance. And I think you know I would rather see. I think most Americans would agree with me on this point. Is that educate me, give me the pertinent real information, and as an adult, let me make my own decisions on how I want to run my life and the types of activities that I that I want to uh, participate in as an adult. Here again, you know, it's, it's, it's so hypocritical because you've got gambling, you know, casinos in Las Vegas, Indian Reservation casinos. That's all fine and dandy. I can go and play lotto, bingo, yet these offshore books are illegal and they're beginning to prosecute executives from, from these, uh, interest, uh, these businesses. It's absolutely ludicrous. They've got a great opportunity to bring it in-house, regulate it tax it appropriately, make sure that, you know, that there aren't any shysters out there that are truly ripping people off. I think there's a tremendous amount of tax revenue to be gained there, and I think the government is completely missing the boat um, on this particular issue, and many others, but this one in particular. 
How hard did the arrest from the bet on sports shake the business of sports betting? Well, it's definitely uh, causing a tremendous amount of repercussions. And the most notable is that uh, Bodog, who's one of the, you know, if they're not the top, they're probably the top consumer brand uh, in the offshore betting sector. Um, They've been in business for, uh, I believe, going on 10 years. For the last two years, they've run uh, kind of the annual uh, offshore betting conference. It had been held in Las Vegas. Uh, They were actually getting ready to kick off the third annual conference in Las Vegas, starting Sunday night with a party. And then there were sessions all day Monday, all day Tuesday. I know Magic Johnson was the keynote speaker. And, uh, of course, we had been signed up for this conference, as we do follow that industry. And just literally yesterday, we received an email. They've canceled this conference because of, obviously, concerns about uh, this recent uh, arrest. And uh, they have postponed it indefinitely. They did say that it would be um, held sometime in the very near future, and this venue would be held somewhere um, outside of the United States of America. So um, it definitely has caused a lot of uh, shockwaves in the industry. Uh, I think people are sort of wondering, is, you know, where is this really going to go? How long is the, the long arm of the, of the federal, of, uh, federal justice system? Um, do these statutes really have any teeth? Do they not? And I think you know, the industry is really in a sort of a state right now, sort of assessing where they're at, what their exposure and liabilities are. But without a doubt, it's definitely caused a, um, a lot of calamity in the industry as, as we sit here today. In your opinion, how far do you think it's going to go? Um, I think they're going to have a really difficult time. Um, you know, well, first of all, I, I don't think that they will ever eradicate offshore sports betting. Um, I mean, betting is it's a part of our lives. I mean, betting goes back to you know probably the dawn of man. It certainly goes back 2,000 years with the original Olympics when uh, countries were actually betting on their um, on their uh, their Olympic athletes and, and the outcome of certain events and decathlons and triathlons, etc. Um, and it's a part of you know it's a part of life. Um, it's something that we enjoy. We continue to derive entertainment value from that. Um, and it's, it's it's somewhat hypocritical because you have these uh, offshore companies, some of them based in the UK, and a few of them have gone public, and they have shareholders that are United States citizens. So I guess so the government saying, hey, you can't make an offshore bet, but you can invest in one of these companies. So the the the, the issue here is that it's so intertwined. With everything that's going on, I don't know how you you know you go in and like brain surgery try and dissect it out. At the end of the day, it's not going to stop that behavior. So I think you know the more you know the more the, the, the issue here is all really about liberty and freedom. And as I said earlier in the show, educate me, give me all the pertinent information, let me make that decision myself. And um, to be honest with you, there was a bill recently passed in the House of Representatives that are really targeting crackdown on credit card companies to try and get them to uh, make things difficult for individuals to use their credit card to, uh, to, to do offshore betting. But having said that, still anything that would be material would have to obviously go through the Senate. I think they'd have a much tougher road to hold there, especially with an election year coming up. There's a lot of Senate seats um, and con- congressional seats up for grabs right now. Um, you know, I think the Republican Party sort of really going through and you know, how far right do they go. And, and uh, it's going to be a really interesting power struggle. And I think this is something that you know, potentially could be material and, and could certainly impact voters. And uh, anytime you have that scenario, um, I, I think they, the, uh, the situation sort of uh, elevates itself to a whole new level. Are sports betting and other gambling sites taking a page from the tobacco companies on how to promote? 
Great question. The, the, the federal government has cracked down on a lot of sites that had been taking advertising money from these offshore sites. Um, I've got several colleagues that are in very important positions. One of them actually is on the board of directors with Yahoo. And uh, the, the top sites had received letters from the DOJ. And uh, their response was, or at least the, in my conversations, felt that there was nothing illegal about taking advertising money from offshore sites. However, given the fact that there's, you know, there's more dollars, advertising dollars, than there are pixels today, they didn't need sort of the aggravation or the legal expense to uh, incur any, any sort of uh, rocky road with the, with the federal government. So most of them sort of opted to just um, not take that money right now. But again, we live in, in such a hypocritical world that you can go to any of these sports sites that I've mentioned on today's show, from ESPN to uh, CBS to Yahoo Sports, and within two clicks, you can pull up a page that has betting odds on it from these offshore books. So that's legal, but you can't put a banner ad on a site. And as I said, it's just, uh, it, it's just absolute lunacy of, of how they're, they're dealing with the situation right now. It's crazy. The reason for my question, because I watch a lot of sports and I watch a lot of the sports networks on DirecTV, you see a lot of advertisements for poker sites like PokerNet.com. And basically the message is, hey, it's free and it's fun. But it's not free and fun for everyone, or is it? Well, this is where, you know, this is, uh, I guess, sort of the old shell game where the sleight of hand comes into play. What these sites have done is they're actually, they're two separate sites. There's the .com, and as you've mentioned, the .net. Now, the .net sites like PartyGaming.net, Bodog.net, etc., they are advertising these sites on mainstream media. Matter of fact, I was watching um, all shows Blind Date this week and uh, on Spike TV, an advertisement for um, sport, a, a bodog.net. Now, the .net sites are free. There's no money involved. It's sort of a play fantasy mode. And, of course, the intent here is that they get you to register on the .net site, and then they will market to you and hopefully convert you over to the .com site, which are real money and, and real betting. So, it, you know, it's, it's really sort of, uh, you know, the emperor has no clothes strategy, but um, it, it's a loose veil. And, um, as I said, I think that... Um, It'll be interesting to see how you know, the federal government sort of used that going forward. Why do you think the feds have gone after the credit card companies when it comes to online betting? Well, you know, I, I think it's, you know, what can they, you know, legitimately sort of attack? And I think that, you know, again, we've proven that, um, you know, us human beings, we all have very strong opinions and by and large are going to kind of do what we want to do within reason, of course. Um, and I think that they felt that trying to, you know, start prosecuting individuals that have that are making these types of bets. And, and by the way, you probably have in the U.S. alone um, nearing 20 million people that have made offshore bets in the last 12 months. So, I guess it'd be kind of unrealistic to try and jail or, or prosecute 20 million U.S. citizens for betting $10 on a football game. And they're looking for you know other other choke points with which to um, help to uh, you know sort of control the industry and and begin to try and um, dissuade uh, U.S. citizens for uh, of, of participating in, in betting these offshore books. Do you anticipate any other anti-gambling legislation that will be coming down? Boy, that's a great question. I mean, what a what a uh, what I'd love to have the crystal ball here for this one. I think it's personally it's going to be difficult, again, as I said earlier in today's show, because of the fact that there, this is an election year. There are a number of congressional seats up for grabs right now. Let's face it, both the House and the Senate are controlled by the Republican Party. 
Uh, and I think they need to be very, very careful um, about the messages that they put forth, the new legislations that they propose. And uh, let's face it, you know, most Americans actually fall into sort of a moderate or centrist category, and it's just a very, very delicate balance. So you know, I think this is something, quite honestly, that you know, Karl Rove and President Bush and the rest of the Republican Party need to be very, very careful about how, um, what actions they take going forward. What's more popular, the football fantasy leagues or the NCAA Final Fours? Boy, great question. Well, uh, as far as fantasy goes, um, there's nothing in the league of the NFL football. That is by far you know, the most, uh, the, the most uh, participated fantasy sport offering, although everything from you know, golf and uh, NCAA basketball and, believe it or not, bass fishing are going through double-digit growth for fantasy players. But NFL football, by far, is the largest. Now, having said that, you know, certainly um, the bracket tournament is um, – you know, I think last year alone there were over 10 million sports fans in, in the major uh, uh, NCAA sport bracket tournaments. But when it comes to pure betting, the large, there's nothing that compares to the NCAA tournament. That is the most bet on sporting event in the world today. Any opinions on Wayne Gretzky's ordeal last year? Uh, great question. I mean, you know what? I think that... Um, you know, as I said, I, I, I think he's probably been, I think he's probably innocent. I don't think he probably had any knowledge. Um, to be honest with you, I haven't seen or been privy to any of the real evidence, you know, whether his wife, Janet Jones, how involved she really was in this. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I, I think it was all about, because it was Gretzky, because it was Gretzky's wife, it was a big, you know, overblown PR stunt and activity. And, uh, you know, by and large, in the grand scheme of, of the world and things that are going on today, um, I think it's just an insignificant grandstanding. Should Pete Rose get into the Baseball Hall of Fame? Um, God, great question. I personally, um, I personally think Pete Rose should be, should be allowed to get into the Hall of Fame. Um, I think earlier on, his, you know, absolute... Um, indignant attitude had a lot to do with sort of the commissioner's ruling and, and uh, their uh, decision to not only kick him out of baseball but not allow him to get to the Hall of Fame. And, you know, let's face it, I, I think, you know, uh, he's admitted that he's bet on sports. He's admitted that he's bet on baseball. Um, his, I, I think his, his record on the field was extraordinary. And, you know, let's be a compassionate society. And I, I think he's, you know, he's paid more than his dues right now. Um, personally, professionally, um, and, and the thing that I think is, is sad about it, although he's made a mistake, we're all human, we make mistakes every single day, I hate to hear it sit in judgment of other human beings, um, and, and especially the message that I think he sends to any young athlete, and that, you know, Pete Rose was probably the least gifted athlete genetically, and I think what Pete Rose stands for is that you can achieve anything that you want in life. You don't, you know, if you don't, have, you're not six foot four and don't weigh 240 pounds, or you, you can't throw a 95 mile an hour fastball. You know, don't bother going out for professional sports. Pete Rose rewrote the book on that Mr. Charlie Hustle. He wasn't the fastest guy. He wasn't the most athletic guy. He wasn't the strongest guy. And I think really the example that he set for baseball um, is a good positive message for any individual um, looking to uh, you know, try and carve out a career in sports or, for that matter, in life. I, I think it's just a hard work. You work hard. You set realistic goals for yourself, and you literally can achieve what you want. So long, long, long uh, answer to your question, yeah, I think Pete Rose should be let in the Hall of Fame. 
And the final question, with fantasy football getting geared up, are there any insights that you can give our listeners today on who to pick for their fantasy football teams? You know what? Um, God, right now, I to be honest with you, I've done very little research um, in putting my fantasy sports team together this year. Um, I typically like to look for you know, players that have been coming off sort of an injury that have kind of been devalued. Um, and, uh, you know, Kellen Winslow's son um, is now played at the University of Miami, the tight end for, I'm sorry, played at the University of Miami, he's a tight end for the Cleveland Browns. Um, he's been out for two seasons with, uh, last year was a motorcycle accident, the year before that I think he broke his leg uh, in the second game or third game of the, of the football season. But I think, he, you know, people like, I look for individuals that, are, that have had great potential, but that they've been injured or have had other issues sort of holding them back. And that, that's where I sort of think we have the real sleepers and opportunity to pick up some players that actually deliver perf- performance for your fantasy football team. Toby, it's time to play Ask Bill 3. This is where I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, and you get to ask me three questions about anything. So fire away. You know what? I'm loving this part of the show, Bill. All right, question number one. Who invented the window envelope? Is it a person or is it the company? It's a person. I have Last name would do fine. I have no idea. Well, the only reason I know the answer to this one is, uh, as I said earlier in the show, I grew up in Connecticut. There's a park um, that is, uh, borders East Hartford, Connecticut, and Manchester, Connecticut, and it's called Wickham Park. And uh, I found out that Wickham was the actual inventor of the window envelope. Um, he invented it somewhere in the 1800s, and um, he's part of his legacy. He donated this park to uh, the town to be used. And uh, I thought it was a very obscure question, and I would have been blown away if you had the answer for it. I've learned two things today. First of all, who invented the window envelope, and also that there is such a thing as fantasy bass fishing. <laughs> Second question is something subjective, so this, this one you'll definitely be able to uh, uh, handle. Um, and this uh, you know, actually come from my office. As I, I asked them, I said, what question would you like to ask Bill? Well, the overwhelming question was, do you think a porn star will ever become president? And the reason I ask here in California, we had uh, Gray Davis as our governor ousted and replaced by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, a porn star actually ran on the ticket. A porn star is running in a, in a New York um, uh, race as well. But is this ever going to happen or is this a pipe dream? Not in my lifetime would, would be my guess. And, and here's why I'm going to qualify that answer. The adult stars, for example, are having a hard enough time getting into mainstream media. Until one of those stars has a major role in a broadcast, grade A television series, or a Hollywood movie, they won't even be considered seriously for an A-list political office such as President of the United States, if that makes sense. I think that makes great sense. Last question. Again, a subjective question. Um, I'm sure one you have an opinion on. And, and for all your listeners out there, you know this is the first time actually Bill and I have spoken, and I don't know your political affiliation, but um, is the current administration the worst we've seen in the history of the United States of America? No, I wouldn't say that it's the worst. Um, If I want to judge just by the presidents that I've lived through in my lifetime, you could certainly say the second administration of Nixon was probably the worst. Jimmy Carter would probably be number two. But I I would not consider this the worst. And I think time can only tell how this administration will be seen. For example, 
Ronald Reagan, when he passed away, was really put up on a pedestal as a great American, one of the greatest American presidents that we ever had. But during his presidency, they were calling him every name in the book. They wanted him gone because of Iran-Contra. And who's ever in the office at the time usually isn't doing a good job in somebody's opinion. So for George Bush to be labeled worst administration right now, hey, he, he joins just about every president that's been in that office who's probably been on that list, same list, too, if that makes sense. What what's your I agree on that? And what's your opinion? You, uh, well, I'm I'm independent because I want the opportunity to reserve my precious vote, which I actually um, care dearly about, and be able to cast my vote to the individual that I see um, best representing not only my personal views, but I think sort of the the vision and uh, founding principles of this country. And uh, at times, I've actually voted Democratic. At times, I've actually voted Republican. To be honest with you, and I, I really hope I'm wrong, um, I am um, absolutely not a fan of this administration. Um, I think probably the top of my list is, uh, I think, obviously, in retrospect, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to really find someone with some credibility that could say that you know going into Iraq was a smart decision. But it's always easy to Monday night quarterback. I never liked the decision from the start. And I think that just has cascaded into... Um, a litany of issues that we're currently dealing with that our children are going to have to deal with. And we've racked up, you know, we spent $300 billion to date so far there. I, I don't see the spending really coming to any sort of end. Uh, I don't see a plan to get out of there. And I, I personally, feel, again, I hope I'm wrong. I feel that our decision to go in there has actually caused more security risks for United States civilians. I think that, um, the, the situation in there continues to get worse by the day. I think we potentially have now incited a civil war between the Sunnis and the Shiites. I believe that the situation with uh, the escalation of a conflict between Israel and Hezbollah um, is an artifact of our occupation in Iraq. And, uh, you know, I, I think like I said, I think where I'm most disappointed is, as I said earlier, people make mistakes. And being a compassionate individual, I, I think you're always looking for, you know, the silver lining in the cloud and, you know, what's the high ground that we can take here. And I think what's most disappointing to me is that uh, we're not doing anything to sort of rectify the situation. I think just going out saying, you know, we're right and we are going to enforce democracy in this area and without saying, you know what, we weren't right. I think all the evidence uh, points to that. I, I when, the, when the history books are all written, or, or this, we're going to look back on this and I think it's going to Say so we, I think it's going to play out as we think it is going to, which is, you know, really, really bad decision. Hopefully, it all will work out in the end. I, I truly hope for that. I truly hope I'm wrong. You know, I do think global warming is a significant issue that we're not properly addressing. If you, if you haven't seen an inconvenient truth, please go see that. Um, and I think that you know, in most recently, I think the, you know, again, I think this is this is politics playing out to the detriment of what's right for our country. And the perfect example that to me is, is the vetoing the STEM research bill, which was passed um, pretty, uh, pretty well in the Senate, which is, of course, Republican-controlled, led by Bill Frist. And uh, I think that's just a detriment to individuals that are suffering from you know, diabetes to Parkinson's to dementia, and uh, it, it's disappointing. So, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm wrong on some of these issues. And, um, you know, to be honest, I'm looking forward to the 08 elections and uh, looking at who's, who the Democrats are going to put forward and who the Republicans are going to put forward and, and seeing which one can sort of best address the issues and, and how to take this country to the next level. Who do you think each party is going to bring forward? 
Wow. Um, to be honest with you, I, I personally will not vote for an individual that continues to want to support and spend in the war in Iraq. So, you know, I, I unfortunately, I'm, um, I'm a McCain, uh, John McCain fan. Um, I think John has got uh, a lot of the wisdom and the foresight and leadership qualities that um, would best represent this country. However, having said that, I, I can't in all good conscience vote for a president that wants to continue supporting the war in Iraq. So, um, you know, to be honest with you, um, you know, I know Giuliani and, and McCain right now are the top two contenders in, in the Republican Party. But the guy that I'd actually vote for on uh, the Republican side would be a, a Colin Powell. I think he... Um, is one of the brightest individuals that has served in our government. I uh, did a brilliant job as Secretary of State. He's got a distinguished career, and uh, of course he is Republican. But so I think it's going to boil down to a sort of McCain-Giuliani. Maybe the winner will you know allow the other one to become vice president on that ticket. I don't see really anyone else coming out of it. And then the Democratic side, man, just I guess roll the dice. Obviously, there's a lot of talk early on for Hillary Clinton. Um, you know who I guess you know Kerry could run again. Um, it, I mean, it looks like Al Gore is increasing his visibility um, within the Democratic Party now. I mean, Howard Dean shot himself in the foot <laughs> in the primary. Howard Dean continues to shoot himself in the foot and the mouth. Yeah, unbelievable. So, you know, I, to be honest with you, as I, as I look as I look into my crystal ball, there's nothing that I'm jumping up and down about. Um, you know, I think it'll probably in my at, at this point in time, and things could obviously change. I think it's probably going to boil down to Kerry and Hillary Clinton on the on the Democratic side, and probably McCain and a Giuliani. Um, on the Republican side, although Mitt Romney's kind of has some interesting views and has had some success as, as Massachusetts governor, um, it's going to be a real interesting race. And of course, you may have someone a sleeper come out of absolutely nowhere, um, and uh, and as well as you know any sort of current event is going to sway things as well, right? I mean, if I think if the situation in the Middle East gets worse and not better. That's not going to bode well for the Republican Party if they can you know figure out a way to uh, put that thing on a, on a more um, congealian path, um, some more stable path, and we're, we're actually seeing some progress in there. I think that's going to bode well there. Um, I think it's just a big wait-and-see game right now. Of all those people that you listed, is there any person that would be on that list that if they got voted in, you'd be saying, oh, what is this country coming to? You know, it's just like, who's the worst of the worst is that question. That's um, right. Because <laughs> there's no one in there that I would vote for. Um, and unlike others, like, well, you don't want to waste your vote. To be honest with you, yeah, I, I, I would uh, either I wouldn't vote, I would abstain, or even though I knew an individual was going to lose, I would still vote for him. Um, oh, man. Who's the worst of the worst? You're really putting me on the spot on this one right now. Uh, if I had to pick the worst of the worst... Sadly, I would probably say Kerry. Really, over Howard Dean? Um, yeah, yeah, because I, you know what? The thing that I think I that I at least can admire about Dean, and you know, although I can't believe I'm actually giving him some credit here as President Bush, is I think individuals actually have strong conviction and can make decisions. Um, I think that where Bush is is failing is that. Um, when you make a bad decision, you know it's bad. You go back and correct that. You don't keep making a bad decision worse. Um, and like I said, Howard Dean, um, you may not agree with him, but at least he has a backbone. At least he has a strong point of view. Um, and as I said, you may not agree with all those decisions, but I'd rather see someone in there that, that actually can make a decision. And uh, as much as I hate to admit this, I thought Kerry ran an absolutely dreadful campaign. 
Um, I think it was, it was really hard to see what he actually stood for versus literally just swinging in the breeze. What do the polls say today? Oh, I need to say this. What do the polls say tomorrow? Oh, I need to say that. Next week they're saying this. Oh, I've got to change my position on that. Um, I think that's, you know, indecision to me is, 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 the, is the lesser of the two evils. It is the worst of the, of the two evils. Toby, why don't you tell our listeners how they can find out more about your site and also about the podcast as well. Awesome. All right. All you Bill fans out there, uh, nbx.com, we're the world's first fantasy sports betting site. It's 100% free. There's no cash on our site. You get points. You get points for joining up. You get points for recruiting your buddies. And come have a blast and uh, start uh, betting on your favorite teams. We have a blog that is the basically intersection of current sports as it relates to the sports betting world. We have podcast shows. We're doing 100,000 podcast download shows a month now. We've just signed uh, 1989 World Series MVP Dave Stewart as our MLB analyst. Kevin Gogan, who had an appearance uh, last year during the NFL season. Kevin's a 14-year veteran in the NFL. He played on five teams, five uh, Pro Bowls. He has two Super Bowl rings with the Dallas Cowboys. He's our NFL analyst, so he'll be showing up on our on our network in about uh, three or four weeks. And... Uh, Man, it's a great site. We're having a lot of fun. It's got a lot of attitude and a lot of flair. Uh, it sports the way you like it, um, raw, and uh, and there's there's uh, absolutely fantastic site to come and uh, enjoy connecting with other sports fans. Toby, thanks again for being our guest this week on You Are the Guest. Bill, I have immensely enjoyed my time on your show today. Uh, love to get you on our show, and of course, um, when it's, uh, if you ever have a need for an individual with um, uh, who's not shy about his opinions, you know where to reach me. If you'd like to be a guest on a future show, just go to our website at www.youwertheguest.com. Submit your first name, the town where you live, and a short description on why you'd make a good guest. There is no charge for being a guest, and you'll have the opportunity to share what you think and how the news and events from today affect your life. The show's producers will contact you by email if you're chosen for a future show. Remember that you can listen to the show every day at Coolcast Radio. And of course, we always appreciate your subscriptions at iTunes and Yahoo Podcasts. That concludes this week's edition of You Are the Guest from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa. I'm Bill Grady. Thanks for listening.